episode is really late in terms of me um recording it because I'm recording it really late on Sunday um I was gonna do it this morning but then I got distracted by cake and alcohol and Christmas episodes of Saturday Night Live so (laughs) um And also, I spontaneously released a single this morning because I just, I just felt like, (laughs) um, I was just really in the mood to do it because, well, actually, that's not entirely true. I, I was talking to Brian last night. And I, I, I asked this question and then I got an answer that surprised me and it made me think, I have to release this song right now. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I did. Um, anyways. Uh, <laughs> but this episode is now like finally here. Um, well, it will be when I finish recording it and upload it and everything um anyways um this week feels like it's gone on forever actually I think that's why I was kind of putting off recording this because I was like oh my god so much has happened and I'm so tired the human experience is really exhausting right now because there's so much going on and everything is crazy and I'm tired. Like, not just physically tired, although I definitely am that, but um, emotionally tired, mentally tired, spiritually tired because it's hard out here you know, um, but we're getting through it together, you, me, Brian, um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna be okay, I think, I hope, yes. Paint my nails while I'm docile. Aphrodite whispers above us, erstwhile lovers that became something more. 
my soul is yours. Reborn in the July sun when it sets, resetting me. Pulling me from purified dirt. Sleeping until it was safe. Onwards to September when you crossed my path and I wasn't lost anymore. You could ask anything of me and I would relent, repenting in your shadow. Living is so easy if you let it be and I am letting it. Little mermaid, swimming away, smiling, no longer a prisoner of the typhoon of tears that was once my captor. They call me the siren of Soho, talking soft, seductive like I do to my late night listeners, reciting lines about your blue eyes, how they follow me to my midnight misadventures, making me crazy, crying, contented, waking up, stepping into another dream with you. Considering I spent, uh, I was going to say most of the summer, but actually, like realistically speaking, it's actually been most of this year <laughs> being depressed and sad and crying a lot. Um, it's actually quite nice not feeling like that. Um, and, uh, I, I think part of that is obviously outside influences, you know, people in my life that make me happy. Um, but additionally, I think part of it is allowing myself to be happy and to not feel um, like I owe something to negative feelings that I was kind of tied to. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I talked previously about the, the little ritual I did, you know, letting go of, of negative things, but I think I was already on my way to that. Um, to letting go and walking through the human experience with a lot less dread and fear and not being afraid to feel things because well I'm gonna do it anyway you know I'm gonna feel things it's what I do I can't help it I'm very uh (laughs) I'm, I'm a very emotional person and I do just kind of go into these things, you know. So that was always going to happen. But I always had these, like, extra feelings on top of that. Like, this anxiety and this fear. And I'm kind of doing this thing where I try not to be afraid 
of allowing myself to be happy and not worrying that it's all gonna go terribly wrong even though in my past experiences it often does but this time I'm like you know what what if it's not what if it's not gonna go wrong what if everything's actually gonna be fine you know what if you just be happy do that do that challenge you know um and I find I get less and less worried about things as the days go by because it's like I get used to the idea that actually everything's okay and I can trust people again and you know everything is alright um which is a really reassuring place to be um after having spent so long asking those questions and thinking you know uh, (laughs) am I giving away too much of myself to people and situations that do not care to give back or are not capable of that and how how does that hurt me am I walking towards pain but now I feel like I'm not I'm walking towards something better and it's better and I'm I'm not afraid anymore to give myself away because I know that it's with good intentions on my part and you know and it always was but you know still that counts for something but on the other side the intentions are good too and I can see that and when you have that situation you just feel so able to um, to just allow it to happen because you know that there's no ulterior motive there's no game being played there's no manipulation or dishonesty it's just a person that means what they say and tells you the truth and so you're free to give yourself because you know that you'll be okay
rivers from the mountains of a man's chest, swimming in scarlet because you ask it of me. I fall asleep every night with my head on your knee, your voice is my lullaby, and I dream of violent delights, my Charlie Blue. Silver blade in my belt, your ideas inched inside my head, your kiss addictive like cocaine, dough. Don't you know that I'd do anything for you? Doe, don't you know that I loved you the most? I would never run. My guilt grows thick and heavy in the air. Red oceans around my ankles, then hemlines, arms and eyelashes. I would never run. Powerful because I let you leave me powerless. My hair is long, parted how you like it. My eyes are glowing when you cross their gaze. My lips are saying yes before you even speak, Jim. Um, so that was about cults. <laughs> um, I, I find cults really interesting as a thing, um, as a concept, as an idea, you know. I, as you may know, I, I wrote a project centered around cults last year for Halloween uh, um, in the garden of the free children, uh, which was really fun to create. Um, and I just always found them really interesting like my whole life just the idea that so many people could be drawn to follow one person and their ideas like it's just wild to me you know it's like whoa how does that happen and I've always been obsessed with like how it gets to that point how it gets that far you know um and so <laughs> I was I was watching um the cult series of American Horror Story the other day um cause you know after the recent election drama I wanted more <laughs> and I just started thinking about different cult leaders really and I kind of wanted to write something a little bit themed around that and the idea of devotion and um subservience to somebody who realistically is probably not above you but you you give them that power to have that over you because when you look at a lot of famous cult leaders like Jim Jones like Charles Manson um you know and all these different people a lot of the time they're not spectacular people beyond being very charismatic and very good at manipulation but they're not they're not superhuman they're not um they all began life in the same way that we did they're all regular human people 
but they convinced tens, hundreds, in some cases thousands of people to believe that they were something bigger, something more, something really special. And I find that so interesting. So I kind of wanted to write stuff from the perspective of people that become enchanted by those kinds of people, you know, uh, the kind of people that fall victim to to cult leaders. Um, and, you know, what is the face of true love, to paraphrase the iconic queen of American Horror Story cult. Uh, <laughs> um, I always love that line. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to give context to the line because it's a massive spoiler. But there's a line in the show where one of the characters says, "This is the face of true love," and I've always just been so. The first time I heard it, I I, I literally had to pause because I was so taken aback and it just really um, moved me. Uh, but I that I was thinking of that a lot when I was writing that that kind of delusional devotion, desperately wanting to prove that you are the person that loves this mystical figure the most, that you are the face of true love, you know, and, um, so it's really, it was really fun to write, um, and I was kind of thinking about, um, my own, uh, my own approach to emotional connection because I'm very aware of the fact that I have a tendency to over romanticize people when I like them and I will talk about them like they're a god or you know to keep it topical like a cult leader you know and I will be I become very devoted to someone very quickly um and it normally takes a lot for me to shake that you know I I you know it's very much once I'm there I'm there you know (laughs) until you give me a really 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 good reason to fucking leave I'm there um and a lot of the time that is probably to my detriment however I think I understand those people because right I'm gonna I'm gonna try and explain To adore someone, to really 
live for somebody, to give them all the space in your heart, to be truly devoted to one person and one person only. It's, I mean, it's, it's exhilarating. It makes you feel um, like, like you found what you're looking for, you know, because obviously, you know, in a modern world, (laughs) you know, one should not, you know, decide that their reason for existence is another person, of course, but really we've all been socialized that that is what we should do I mean from childhood you're kind of taught that you have to find someone you love and you have to build a life with that person and and so finding someone that you can build your whole world around finding someone that you can worship almost it feels like you fulfilled that um and for me I think that's what I've always been looking for I have other things that catch my attention you know um I want to be successful in the things I create and the things I share with people um and I have personal goals that I want to achieve in my life but The thing I have wanted most in the whole world for as long as I can remember is to have somebody that I can, I can truly be entirely devoted to and somebody that I can, um, Someone I can, you know, be with and, you know, make them feel special and show them how I feel about them and and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I found that so challenging throughout my life because I think... person for somebody is probably a lot (laughs) you know which is why it's why you get cult leaders people who want to have that power people who want to have that adoration um and then you have people like me the people who who will chase after them to the ends of the earth who will do anything just to make them happy and will probably end up being killed as part of their world domination plans or whatever um 
or some kind of prophecy. But maybe it's worth it to feel like even just for a while in your life you got to truly feel that you were the face of true love. couldn't wait a second more, ignoring my door, tapping on my insecure mind, rapping on my insecure mind, finding roots inside, tearing out the safe affirmations I had acquired since he last came knocking. Darkness there and nothing more. After the raven was done, ripping down the reminders I'd left all across my life, of the ways I was treasured, the ways I was not measured in how often others think of me, but how they think and what they think, because they do. The raven smiles and says, they don't, but they do. And he, like I have often been, was an unwelcome guest, now tapping at my chest, a forgotten rhythm that was once etched in my memory. The saddest song, but one I could never skip. For love is just a junior high version, one-way excursion. Once defiant, but soon delusional. The raven, live and in concert, plays the blues on my bruised ego. I'm sure that I am old enough to fly alone. (laughs) I am never alone, atoning for the sin of making someone else the sun, blinding and essential, but I am the same as always. Half asleep in a dark room, desperate to journey back to my dreams, but seen by a spectre, smug ebony bird who smiles and beguiles me with gossip. Tea at 2pm, by the windowsill, waiting with an empty notification screen as my sole companion sits upon my shoulder. Nevermore. I nod in agreement, despite not knowing what he means, such is my undying devotion, devoted to all manner of things and all kinds of disasters, desiring peace but finding pleasure in never being free to forget. The shade of blue that I painted my study, the two of hearts I keep framed on my desk, a broken ruler dressed in yellow and green tape flurry of texts I look upon fondly, my Leo Lenore, nevermore the raven says, and I'm not even angry, just resigned in a sublime fashion, planning trips to paradise where I can bask in the glow of someone I call my burning sun.
the raven lights a match. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe is one of my favourite poems. Uh, and I just kind of... I was thinking about it the other day. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to kind of... Um, I guess like... remix it you know what I mean <laughs> I mean it's obviously it's, it's not cover version because it's not like exactly the same but it's like a like a remix you know um yeah you know, cute little modern reimagining of it um, but with a bit more positivity, like maybe, maybe we say to the raven, listen here you little bitch, you might say these things, and maybe you know what you're saying, but maybe you don't. But either way, I'm in charge of my own destiny. And I've decided that actually the bad times are not going to last forever. And I'm going to do what I want. And you will deal. And then the raven sat there like, oh she really came that way huh and I'll be like yeah yeah bitch she did uh huh what now but then the raven just sort of like starts in with her whole never more never more shit and I'm like oh god really girl really but then it starts getting to me and I'm like oh shit maybe this bitch is right mm. oh wow but you overcome it you know and you know, you, you you pull yourself back from the descent into madness and you say, okay, you know what? We are not doing that today. We do not have time to lose our mind today. We have things to do. So we are pulling it back. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. We're going to relax. We're going to have a beverage. We are going to... Um, distract ourselves if this little bird wants to keep chirping that's fine because we are going to be socially distancing from negativity right now and maybe it works and you figure everything out and everything's fine or maybe it doesn't and you kind of delude yourself into thinking it's working but then you still go just as mad as the guy from the original poem but you gotta try You can't just sit there in your chamber reading books and letting a bird drive you insane. You gotta at least try and fight back and be like, mm, I think the fuck not. Mm-mm.
Earlier this year, I started Diverse First, a poetry radio show on Alphabet Radio, which celebrated diversity in creative writing. I really enjoyed putting the show together for you guys and featuring some amazing creators. And I was really overwhelmed with the response that we got for the show. If you want to listen again while we're on a little break, then you can find all the episodes of Diverse First from the very beginning on alphabetpride.com. And if you're interested in getting involved in Diverse First, we are currently taking submissions for features for the next series. You can find more information at my website, jenniferwan.com. And I can't wait to find your voice and share it with the whole world. start with the stuff that the government has conveniently leaked to the press in the middle of the fucking night again um okay so fucking hell okay so this was uh, reported by Robert Paston from the TV show Paston, which is, it's weird because like it airs on Twitter as well as TV, which I think they thought would be a cute gimmick, but honestly, anyways, um, so from December 2nd in England, non-essential shops will be reopening, hairdressers will be reopening, gyms will be reopening, however, it comes with a catch. We're going back to the tier system. We won't know which tier is applicable to which place until Thursday when they're announcing this. And hospitality will stay closed in tier three areas. Whether that comes with the uh, the the kind of loophole of they can still do takeaways or they can still be open if they serve a substantial meal and alcohol happens or whatever it was last time. We don't know. Um, but that's happening from December 2nd. And there's more. From the 23rd to the 27th of December, three households are allowed to meet together to celebrate Christmas. 
Okay, my first question. Why is this, again, being thrown to journalists late on a Sunday night and then being posted on fucking Twitter? Why is this not being announced properly to Parliament first? I mean, I know the answer. The answer is probably so that the government can gauge public reaction. But there are procedures in place for a reason. And I am sick of this shit. Okay, so question number two. Really, bitch? Listen, this Christmas thing. I mean, you know what? It's a complicated thing because... I mean, I just, I have a bad feeling about it. This whole, let's take a little break around Christmas and then we go back to tears and whatever. Because... I mean, I understand that obviously the government are in a tough situation because people are going to break the rules over Christmas whether they ask them to or not, right? Like, that's just, it's going to happen. Whether the government amended this to allow the extra household thing or not, people were still going to do it. Not everybody, of course, but enough people for it to make a difference are going to do it. That's just how it's going to be. Um... However, my concern is that the government either doesn't know or doesn't care that a mentally and emotionally exhausted public are unlikely to just go back to obeying the rules entirely after having a taste of sort of freedom over Christmas, right? Do they really think people are just going to be like, okay, we've had a little Christmas break, back to the tears, we're going to go back to all the harsher rules now, it's fine, thank you Boris. Do they really think that? Because it's not, it's not going to fucking happen. I, I feel like people are going to still be mixing after that point. Um, and not just people that mix at Christmas, but people who saw other people mixing at Christmas and thought, fuck, I missed that opportunity well, fuck it, me going over to my friend's house or me going over to see this other person isn't going to hurt, I'm just one person. And then everyone's doing it and it just builds up and up and up. I do get the government's um, position that whether they change the rules or not, people are still going to do it at Christmas. But I... The fact remains, if they had locked down properly like they were told to months ago, we may not be in the position where any of this is necessary right now, but we are because of them. So, you know, um, it doesn't help that a lot of the stuff that was trailed and leaked and all that this weekend carried the message of things will be back to normal at Easter, right?
But the government has said, the British government has said repeatedly throughout this whole crisis, things will be back to normal at insert random date here. They've done it several times and they've been wrong every single time. You know, we had it'll all be over by summer. We've had it'll all be over by Christmas. Now we've got it'll all be over by next Easter. You can't keep doing that to people. You can't especially because they've been wrong several times with these dates. If you don't know the date when things will be back to normal, do not make a promise that you can't keep. It's really that simple because because the fact is the government probably don't know when things will be back to normal, even with the promise of vaccines and all that. They probably don't know. But if they were honest with people and they said that, people wouldn't get their hopes up because that is part of the problem here and that is why there is probably going to be such a mass... Well, it's not going to be a mass breaking of the rules for Christmas now because they've amended the rules so that we can essentially break the rules without breaking the rules. But the reason why people became so fixated on the Christmas thing is in part because the government repeatedly promised them it would be over by Christmas. And before that, we were told it would be over by summer. You know, um, and now we're being told it will be over by Easter. If you keep giving people false hope, if you keep building their hopes up and then tearing them back down, eventually they're just going to say, fuck it, I do what I want. And that's going to happen at Christmas, which I think is why the government have made this amendment, because they don't really have a choice. But if they really think people are just going to go back to restrictions after that, it's just naive because compliance requires the public to trust the government. And currently they don't Um, because the government has repeatedly cried wolf on this. Essentially, Boris Johnson stands up and he says, oh, I mean, I remember, you know, the first lockdown, he said, oh, don't worry, it'll all be over in 12 weeks. 12 weeks goes by, we're still all locked up, no hope of ever coming out. It went on for weeks and weeks after that. Then it was, oh, don't worry, lads, it'll all be over by Christmas. No one's ever said that before and been wrong. Said nobody who's aware of, you know, the war. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) And and then now there's a, there's a new target. It'll all be over by Easter. Well, will it? <laughs> will it, Boris? Or are you just saying that because you're desperate to be liked? And so you're saying things that you think people want to hear, but they're not the truth. You don't know that they're the truth. And you're raising people's hopes. Um... You know, and this affects people all over the UK, affects businesses. I just, I feel very uneasy about it, to be quite honest with you. I feel, I I understand that, um, I understand the logic behind the letting people have a break for Christmas thing. I still think it's stupid because the virus will still be about. But I understand, obviously, the government are in a difficult position. And 
if they kept the lockdown going, no one's going to stick to it. They're just going to be like, fuck off, we do what we want. Um, is that a situation a bit of the government's own making? Yes. Um, but nevertheless, it is still a thing. Um, but if they take off the restrictions, people are obviously going to do what they want as well. So, um, but I think the messaging and the communication is, is just a massive fail still after months and months and the fact of the matter is they are still failing on the basics of things that they should have been using the lockdowns to get right the first lockdown they should have made sure test and trace was ready um and they didn't because it was shit and it's still shit uh there was a leak recently where executives from the test and trace service were told in a presentation that they had to restore public trust because they were still failing targets they were still failing to um you know to get through to people and do contact tracing you know we've thrown billions of pounds at this but it doesn't fucking work the government should have made sure that it was working throughout that first lockdown. And we're in the midst of a second one. Why are they not working on that now? <laughs> it's, it, it's ludicrous, you know? Um, but I just... The fatigue is real, man. Uh, but speaking of test and trace, Boris Johnson, still self-isolating, putting up shit videos of himself, still not brushing his hair because he still thinks that everybody buys into his whole lovable buffoon act, even though nobody does. Um, I do believe that Boris Johnson has been asked to self-isolate. Um... I know that there's a lot of conspiracies about whether he actually has been or whether he's just hiding because he doesn't want to have to do his job. <laughs> uh, I, I do think he was genuinely ordered to self-isolate. He was involved in a meeting uh, with another Conservative MP where they weren't socially distancing and they weren't wearing masks and they didn't have windows open for ventilation. And someone at the meeting tested positive, so obviously it stands to reason that it's, you know, that they have been asked to self-isolate. Um, so he's doing that. Um, Dido Harding, <laughs> she's kind of, she's in charge of, of test and trace to an extent and she's self-isolating as well. She's bragging about how the system works on Twitter. And I'm like, okay, great, fabulous. Well, how comes there's still so many cases where it hasn't worked then, love? <laughs> I just, I mean... <sighs> anyway, let's talk about Pretty Patel, shall we? Yeah. The most terrifying EastEnders villain 
except she's even more scary because she's in charge of shit like the police and immigration and stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> she is a bully. Yes, she is. Pretty Patel is a bully. Um, and you want to know how we know that? Well, there was a report written into her behaviour and her conduct. Um... Earlier this year, there was a lot of reports about Pretty Patel being a bully. There was um, lots of Tory MPs standing up for her and saying, no, 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 that's not true. But now there's a report that's been written, uh, which it later turned out Boris Johnson attempted to have watered down and failed. Um, that showed categorically Pretty Patel is a bully. She bullies people in the workplace. Um This whole thing is mad. Um, so, God, she, she is being defended by pretty much every Tory MP. They are obsessed with the idea of defending her. Um, it's madness. Um, these are some of the things that have come out. Apparently she referred to civil servants as fucking useless. She would storm out of her office and say, why is everyone so fucking useless? She would tell officials their work was fucking useless I need to install a fucking swear jar at the home office let me tell you that um <laughs> my god she just she seems thoroughly fucking unpleasant if you ask me um from what we've been able to get from from this report she is thoroughly unpleasant to the staff that work under her and apparently everybody in the conservative party is fine with that um <laughs> i i don't and the worst part is this all came out during anti-bullying week because <laughs> that's I mean what even is satire at this point um <sighs> my god let's have a look some of the defences of Pretty Patel. Jacob Young, who, honestly, 
Oh, God. He tweeted, A female B-A-M-E daughter of immigrants who speaks out against the woke left. All right, H-Chan. Won't vote the way they say she should. Wants controlled immigration. Dared to become home secretary. The fuck does that even mean? She was offered the job and she said yes. What is daring about that? Of course they want to tear her down. And then he posts a little picture they took together. God, he looks like a sixth former who won a competition. Honestly... Some of the lengths these Tory MPs have gone to with their pathetic little tweets about how wonderful Pretty Patel is. I, you see, none, nothing in that tweet that he says, or the picture, or anything, <laughs> does anything to dispel the lived experience of people that have said they have been bullied while working with Pretty Patel. Right? <sighs> Listen to this. The reason Pretty Patel has support across the Conservatives is because she's hardworking, determined and has been very kind to many. Except for the people she bullied, eh, Tom? She knows her own mind was a great asset to the Foreign Office. Oh, wait, hang on. No, that's Foreign Affairs Committee. And is doing a tough job in the Home Office. Well, if she can't do a tough job without swearing at people randomly or throwing folders at their faces, then... I mean, I don't know, mate. Uh, Keir Starmer, I mean, he's basically had a victory dropped into his lap. Um, he tweeted, Yet again, the Prime Minister has been found wanting when his leadership has been tested. If I were the Prime Minister, the Home Secretary would have been removed from her job. That's really all he needed to do there, really. <laughs> I mean... It was just... She gave a little apology speech. She said, I'm sorry that my behaviour has upset people. I... And then she reeled off a bunch of excuses. At one point, the line was that she didn't realise that what she had been doing was bullying. Which really... If you don't realise that shouting at people, swearing at people, throwing things at people is bullying, then you shouldn't be in a position of power and responsibility. If you don't realise that those things are bullying, then there's something very wrong with you. I... Anyway... And of course she was smirking all the way through this apology, so it's hard to believe that she means it. <laughs> she said, I acknowledge that I am direct and have at times got frustrated. You're a grown woman. If you can't handle being frustrated in the workplace without throwing things at people and swearing and screaming, then again, you should not be in the job that you are. I <laughs> oh my god they call her the pritster did you know that in the shit tory whatsapp group boris sent a message to tory mps and said time to form a square around the pritster the pritster 
Why do Tory MPs always give each other the shittest nicknames? I, the Pritzter. Jesus. Anyway. I, so Pretty Patel is a bully. Um, and lacks self-awareness, apparently. Because she, she just doesn't realise that her behaviour is fucking horrible. Um... I mean, Christ. I just, honestly. Oh, Americans discovered Michael Fabricant this week. <laughs> he went viral um, for saying something really gross, which I'll go into in a minute. But then there was a tweet from an American writer... Chris, I'm guessing on the pronunciation here, and I'm sorry, Mr. Chris, if I say this wrong. Chris Moni? Anyways, he said, he posted a picture of Michael Fabricant, and he said, getting up early in the US means you see a lot of tweets about stuff in the UK, and sometimes you encounter a photo of a person that British people have all gotten used to, but strikes you, as an American, with a fresh wave of alarm and disbelief that this person exists. And then there was hilarity, just multiple replies from Americans being like, what the fuck, that's not real, oh my god, why is he like this? And then they discovered Jacob Rees-Mogg and Rory Stewart, and also those pictures of Michael Fabricant riding naked around London, and Marc Francois, and all these different people, it was a wild time. <laughs> Oh, and Desmond Swain. They could not believe Desmond Swain. If the Yanks are laughing at us, then you know we lost, right? I mean, damn. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me find that dumb thing that... Oh, I've got to go back to that in a minute because that was dumb as well. Um... There are so many things that happened this week that I tweeted about because I have a problem. Right, here it is. Oh, he's deleted it now. <laughs> but it still shows up on my Twitter feed because I quote tweeted it. Ha ha, I win, bitch. So Michael Fabrican, uh, he was responding to... Uh, to somebody who was discussing Islamophobia and he said your spite and unpleasantness neither does the cause of tolerance in this country nor the cause of Anglo-Muslim relations any good at all um wow so we're denying Islamophobia by being Islamophobic now okay Wow. What a prick. Um, it was International Men's Day this week. Congratulations to all the international men and all the not international men. I suppose everyone's an international man. Like, if they're a man, obviously. Because if you're a woman, you're an international woman. And if you're, like, a non-binary person, then you're an international non-binary person or whatever. But, um, yeah, to all the, the, the men 
international otherwise happy international men day thing um ben bradley got dragged <laughs> ben bradley uh the honorable member for pedantry and ridiculousness uh was speaking in the international men's day debate there was a lot of really great contributions to that debate talking about men's health um mental health provisions um and support for men um in a number of ways and he was like why have a minister for women but not for men god really really bitch and you know the funniest thing the replies to that were mainly men being like dude shut up dude shut up it was it was a great day for men it was fantastic um for those that don't know why there is a and you know what i'm gonna be pedantic now it's not a minister for women that's a minister for women and equalities, bitch. So, technically, if you feel that there are areas in life where men are not equal, you can bring that up because it comes under the umbrella of equalities, right? But here's the thing. In terms of, like, sexism and shit, women, for the most part, have more issues that's why we get to be in the title and shit because of the patriarchy okay i mean it must be well embarrassing for men to have ben bradley constantly pop up and try and act like he speaks for them all if i was a man i'd be well pissed it'd be so embarrassing he's like <laughs> he's like the jermaine greer of men <laughs> i'd be so embarrassed um anyway let's forget about him congrats to all the men for international men's day and things um there was some really great posts that i did see um i'm gonna put some links in the description about that uh some great initiatives i saw that i thought were really cool um and deserve a lot more awareness so i will post that for you guys um <laughs> no i'm not gonna talk about that stupid and i don't want to give him attention um where do i no 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 um Oh my god, premises questions. Boris lied about Sadiq Khan again. Literally, like, a couple of minutes in. And he was like, Oh, Sadiq Khan. He's the reason TFL has no money. And Sadiq Khan was straight on it like, No, bitch. Keep my name out of your mouth. Don't talk about me. Come to the streets. Let's see. Well, he didn't say that, but he should have. Um... <laughs> 
that was a lot of um discussion about devolution and prime minister's questions this week and the reason for that is because boris johnson was on a zoom call with some of his mps earlier in the week and he talked about devolution and he said that devolution was a mistake He then doubled down on that, right? When the press were asking, he just he just doubled down. He was like, nah, nah, I stick by what I said. It was a mistake. And you know why? Because in Scotland, they keep voting for like this party of people that I don't like that want to separate Scotland from the union. So yeah, devolution was a mistake. Because apparently in Boris land, uh, in his fucking imagination palace the scottish people voting the way they want is a personal affront to him because everything is about him you know um people in scotland voting for the the government of scotland that they want apparently now makes devolution a mistake because let's be clear here people in scotland overwhelmingly are voting for the scottish national party and have been for a while. And their core policy is self-determination, right? So, and, and it's not like people don't know this either. I remember actually um, <clears throat> at the last election uh, last, last year, um... I remember seeing quite a lot of English political commentators after the results, when the exit polls were released and all that, saying, oh, the SNP upping their seats is, is because, you know, it's, it's tactical voting. People wanting to stop Brexit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's people wanting to do this and wanting to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> or it's a pretty popular party in that country who are known for their core policy winning more seats because they kept making the arguments oh it's actually about brexit oh it's actually tactical voting no this is this is not any indication of a rise in support for independence and i'm like well if people wanted to vote tactically or they wanted to vote you know, against Brexit, there are there are pro union anti Brexit parties in Scotland. You know, there's the Scottish Lib Dems, kind of Scottish Labour. I mean, they were kind of umming and ahhing, but they were kind of there. You know, um. Basically, there were options, you know. So this idea that people in Scotland were only voting SNP to protest Brexit was ludicrous. But a lot of English commentators convinced themselves of this because they couldn't accept that maybe people in Scotland were interested in independence. And then when the polling increased for Scottish independence after the election, which I always kind of figured it would because, you know, people were voting in a way that indicated they were interested in independence, all these commentators kind of ignored that. 
But then another poll was released showing the same thing to a greater extent. And it just kept going until they couldn't ignore it anymore. And I just found that funny and it kind of reminded me of this whole Boris kerfuffle this week because he was like, I mean, devolution's fine, I guess. It's just Scotland's doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, people voting in a way that doesn't make you happy is not them doing it wrong. That's just them having a different opinion to you. You can't tell people that their vote is wrong because you don't like it, you know? I think Brexit's stupid, but I can't tell people that they're voting wrong, you know. I can express my unhappiness at Brexit, which I have many times, (laughs) in many forms, you know. I've written poems about it, I've written songs about it, you know. Um, But I can't tell people that they're wrong and they're voting wrong because their opinion is their opinion, you know? And it's it's very much the same thing here. Um, English commentators, political commentators here, will try and project a bunch of ideas and um, thoughts onto Scottish people and say, oh, actually, they're voting for a pro-independence party because... Brexit or because tactical or this or that um oh those polls that you see saying independence is rising oh that that's only because of Boris that'll go away when he's gone they can project that all they like but that doesn't make it true um and Boris can sit there and he can say devolution is going wrong because separatist nationalism but that doesn't mean he's correct either um and really all this does is prove what a lot of people were saying earlier in the year about how the british government had its eye on devolution trying to remove powers from the devolved administrations trying to strangle the power that they have because when the SNP, when Ply Cymru, when Welsh Labour uh, were talking about this they were all told they were crazy, it was a conspiracy they had their tin foil hats on well surprise surprise <laughs> look who has no respect for devolution oh it's the Prime Minister anyways so Boris was asked about this a few times at premises questions it came up a lot and again he doubled down and he was like the evolution's fine but you dumb bitches keep voting wrong um he also repeatedly referred to the scottish national party as the scottish nationalist party which is very much on purpose um and the speaker finally fucking called him out for it which was great uh it would have been cute if he had done that before or if previous speakers had bothered to do it but there we are um there was a lot of discussion about what devolved administrations had done with the powers they currently have boris johnson tried to front like the devolved administrations had done fuck all with the powers that they have which is a lie just a straight up lie um 
and it was it was very frustrating watching that not I mean it was in response to a question from Ian Blackford who is the Westminster leader for the SNP and he discussed a number of uh, initiatives and policies that the Scottish government had brought in with the devolved powers that they have um including removing tuition fees free prescriptions um support for new families with um you know additional welfare powers um you know additional benefits for new families um and for existing families too uh things like the baby box um all these policies and initiatives that made life easier for people really um through the powers that they currently have with devolution and he listed off a bunch of things that they had done and then Boris Johnson just ignored all that and said you haven't done anything with the powers you have and it's like well (laughs) he just listed a bunch of them what are you talking about and you know what any MP from Wales in the Labour Party could do the same thing because their government in Wales has done the same fucking thing they have brought in policies and initiatives that have made people's lives better with the limited powers of devolution that they have and Boris Johnson is just standing there and denying actual facts and he gets away with it because of course he does and the frustrating thing is because a lot of people um, this is more an England-centric problem, to be honest, but a lot of people here don't pay attention to anything that's not going on on their doorstep. So they wouldn't know any different, you know? The Prime Minister can stand there and he can lie. Um, but a lot of people here don't know any different. And, <laughs> and because a lot of... Um, a lot of the media here doesn't cover stuff outside of England in great detail. They're probably never really going to know, which is annoying. Um, because Boris Johnson gets away with lying. Because people don't know when enough to call him out on it. That's frustrating. Um, Boris Johnson was actually on Zoom for Prime Minister's questions, by the way, uh, because he's self-isolating. Um... He was asked about self-isolating by Keir Starmer. Um, He said there was support in place. Everything's fine. Uh, But it all turns out not really. Uh, The payments that are supposed to be issued to people who are on low incomes who need to self-isolate are ridiculously hard to get. Um, Who's surprised? Not me. Um... Like pretty much any kind of financial thing with the government, it's incredibly hard to get. <laughs> um, I remember uh, talking with someone once about the benefit system and we had this theory um, that it's purposefully difficult to get things that you're entitled to and that the system is set up to make it impossible for vulnerable people to get the support they're entitled to 
so that it doesn't have to be paid out. And I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it does make sense when you think about it. And I feel like the same applies here. You know, if you if you put in a bunch of conditions and and hoops people have to jump through and you really narrow down the amount of people that are actually entitled to this support, then you can say, oh, we've got support available, but you just don't mention the small print and you can get away with it because, well, we're in the worst times imaginable and it appears this government can get away with whatever it wants. chairs kept in the cupboard under the stairs far away from me and my solitary celebration don't cry for me because this ship can't stand any more tears dearly departed plans that never had a chance of staying above icy depths you know i'm gonna drink too much neat and neurotic fading from fine to finality back again then forwards. I wrote that thinking about Christmas. <laughs> I just, it's weird. On the one hand, I'm really in the mood for it and I'm like ready to go and I'm really hype and I'm like listening to Christmas songs all the time and thinking I want to go out and buy stuff for people and given to consumerism for Jesus but on the other hand I'm like it's just gonna be shit and I really can't be bothered and it's just quite depressing and I just want to skip ahead to February when it's my birthday and maybe everything will be fine um but everyone has to buy me presents and tell me that I'm pretty and special um I don't even know if they'll be able to do that this year oh my god or next year whatever um <laughs> but I was just thinking about like the idea because I, I don't know what I'm gonna do yeah I haven't made any plans because I don't know what's possible what I do know though is that I won't be seeing most of my family because um even with the rules changing a lot of my family have said that they don't want to take the risk and even though I want to see them I respect that and I'm like okay that's fine um so I don't really know what I'm going to be doing um and to think last year I was complaining about the idea of having lots of people at my house and now I'm like, ah, oh, I could just be like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, it feels a bit bleak, doesn't it? But at least we'll have each other. You and me on this little show. Um, I do have a couple of little surprises I'm planning which keeps me going and makes me a bit less um, despondent but we'll see 
We'll have to wait and see what Santa Boris brings in his big announcement this week. Hopefully it'll be that he's resigning and letting someone fucking competent have a go, but... I generally never get what I want for Christmas, so don't get your hopes up. Thank you for listening to Sincerely Jennifer with me, Jennifer Wan. If you want to find more of my work, you can on my website, jenniferwan.com, or you can find me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, SoundCloud, and every social media website ever with the username Miss J Squared. Thank you to my amazing top tier Patreon supporters Amanda, Kylie, Melissa, Anna, 